one size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hello and welcome to a brand new Arsblog Arscast right here on Arsblog.com. How are you? Hope you're well. Thank you very much indeed, as always, for being here. It's Friday. I know this uh, this particular episode is out a little bit later than normal, particularly uh, during this summer when we've been pushing episodes out on a Thursday. But we did play a game last night, uh, a 1-1 draw with FC Nuremberg. So we're going to chat about that and uh, look at some of the other talking points from that. And afterwards, I'm going to chat to poorly drawn Arsenal, somebody whose work I'm sure you know we're going to talk about how it all started, why it started, uh, his very distinctive style and lots more. So do please stick around for that. A little later in the show, I'll give you some information about some of the things that are happening on the US tour. I'm going to be in the US from next week. I'll be in New York and I'll also be in Los Angeles. There are a few bits and pieces going on. So I'll give you some info on that if you're going to be around for those games against Manchester United and Barcelona. But with me now to talk about the game last night against FC Nuremberg from the Gunnar Talk TV and Football London, it's time. Tom Canton. Hello, Tom. Hey, how you doing, mate? You well? I am all right. Football is back. Mm. Uh, I'm not going to say with a bang, but it is back. And we played FC Nuremberg last night. Um, A 1-1 draw. I suppose you could say it was a tale of two halves in a way. The first half was a lot more coherent, cohesive. There seemed to be more structure about the way Arsenal played and then of course when you make changes in the second half and the context of the game it gets a a little more scrappy but a few things I suppose that we could talk about I mean first it seems a bit redundant to talk about how good Bakayo Saka is but you know start as you mean to go on or just pick up where you left off the goal he made look ridiculously easy he gets booted up and down and you're worrying and he's lying there and then he gets up again which you know he always seems to um, you know, on the back of a new contract and everything else, it really is exciting to think about what he's going to produce uh, in this new season. Yeah, I mean, I struggle to believe many people have, you know, failed to miss football um, at times <laughs> because it's a stressful sport and we love it for what it is. But Bakaya Saka really reminds you why you do love it. Uh, is kind of the best way, I think, to describe him as a footballer. You know, we said preseason didn't get back with a bang, but he tried as hard as he could to mm. bring it back with one, um, with a fantastic strike. Um, something that I think, you know, has, has needed to become a bit more characteristic of his style. Um, we always use the Iron Robin comparison for a right winger that cuts in and then bangs one across a keeper or hits them near post. And Saka very much fits stylistically a, a right winger of an inverted nature because of, of his left-footed style. But I've liked to have seen more of that type of goal from him moving forwards. And I think that when he does cut inside, the fear that you get and the fear that I think we got with Nicola Pepe is that it can, it can become too predictable for a right winger that is mm. left-footed. And I think that that style of goal that he scored against Manchester United, for instance, in a really high-profile game, and obviously to a lesser extent in yesterday's friendly, is something that I do want to see more from him. I want to see him beat players. I want to see him do that to a level where perhaps we're seeing him get 20-plus goals across all competitions because of a world-class level. That's what a right winger is looking to try and get. You know, He was getting a really good tally in the Premier League last season. I'd love to challenge him to see if he can get 20-plus across all comps next year. Yeah, I mean, the the thing about Sack is as well that, you know, you make the comparison with Robin, and I think, um, you know, as distasteful as that might be, you know, <laughs> he was a very effective player. Um, yeah. You know, he scored plenty of goals against us um, for Bayern Munich and for Chelsea. So he's, you know, an annoyance that I don't mm. really care to remember. But I suppose the difference that I would say between Sack and Robin is that Sack is a little more two-footed or a lot more two-footed. Robin was... 
like you knew what he was going to do. And I suppose his great quality was that even though you knew what he was going to do, you couldn't stop it or it was difficult yeah. to stop. Sanka, of course, can go outside as well. I think that measure of unpredictability might allow him to score a few more goals of the kind that you're talking about. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's a really good point. Those right-footed strikes high into the net that we saw against Leeds, that we saw for England in those friendlies mm. at the end of the... Well, not friendlies, but qualifiers during the season. They feel like friendlies to me. I just... I can't get on board yeah. with qualifiers so much. <laughs> it's a difficult one, but it's fantastic, obviously, strikes that he's able to pull off with his right foot. And I think that's probably what separated him so quickly from a record signing in Pepe, is that mm. he was able to overtake him so quickly because his technical ability, because of his unpredictability, and all of those aspects of his game are are certainly leading the way. I think also so that despite despite sorry still being really young he's becoming a leader in that team he's becoming an example to other players and whilst there's Reese Nelson signing a brand new deal and you know suggesting that he wants to fight for his place and that's great you know you see the chasm that is in front of him <laughs> to try and overcome a player like Bakaya Saka to play on the right or, you know, Martinelli, who wasn't obviously there yesterday, yeah. but again, another brilliant talent that he's got to overcome. And I'm so excited that we're now a club that are able to keep these guys. Yeah, for, for, the for sure. For sure. Um, you know, it was a, a pretty effective first half from Arsenal. I don't want to go into too much in the, into the nuts and bolts of it because it is just a... You know, at this point of free season or preseason, these are fitness exercises as as much as anything else. Nevertheless, we saw in the absence of Alexander Zinchenko, who's picked up another injury, and we're not quite sure how long that's going to keep him out. Mikel Arteta went with Jakub Kivior at left back, and Kivior was playing in a very similar way to um, to Zinchenko. He was inverting. He was coming into midfield. There's been a lot of speculation about Tierney, where he might go, where he might end up, what what the future holds for him, and the discussion about how the team has evolved versus Tierney's skill set is one that's been had many times before. I know it's very early in preseason, but does that maybe give us a little indication of of what Mikel Arteta is thinking in terms of his left-back pecking order? Yeah, I think that what we've come to understand is that there's so much specificity about each role that Arteta wants um, from each position on the field. And Kivior clearly provides more in his mind than what Tierney does. Now, it's very difficult, I feel, sometimes to talk about the dynamic of Tierney's place in the team compared to players like Kivior and Zinchenko because you very quickly start talking about a player who's very good in Tierney and yet still isn't an obvious starter for us because stylistically... He just doesn't seem to fit exactly what Arteta wants. He tries, and he really has been trying to adapt his game to become more inverted, to play between Gabriel and Saliba at times and play closer to the defensive midfielder. But it's it's just not quite there for him, and he does find himself kind of skewing out to the left-hand side more frequently. On Kivior, he certainly stood out for me in that first half and in the game overall was one of the highlights. I think he's a really elegant player with his touches, how he brings the ball into feet, the one-touch pass that he can bring. There was a great one-touch to Trossard in the first half to set up a chance on the left-hand side. Mm. Um, yes, there was an error as well in which he gave the ball away in a really dangerous position, but I think in preseason, it's one of those moments where maybe we got a little bit lax, too relaxed, and he lost his concentration somewhat there. But... I am excited to see what he brings. I feel he's one of those signings that gets very quickly overlooked because he was brought in during a January window where it was a bit of a surprise. Um, in a similar way to some ways that Ben White in the summer of 2021 was brought in when people were saying, well, Saliba's coming back. Mm. Why are we spending £50 million on, on Ben White? And even when Saliba's been brought back, Ben White has been, for me, in the last two years, one of the most underrated players in the squad, even though he's been really impressive. I think perhaps that we can look at Kivior as a player that might end up being a bit overlooked, but prove really valuable, especially in a squad that's got a Champions League run coming in, especially when he plays in competition with someone like Zinchenko, who has his injury issues. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm curious to see what happens with this left side of our, our defence, because I do think when you consider the right... You've got Saliba, you've got Ben White, you've got Timber mm. at some point. Probably <laughs> about two, two seconds after we publish this podcast, we <laughs> might have him. But I think that's a very carefully crafted trio of players because White and Saliba can play uh, centre-half. Timber, of course, can play centre-half because he's played a lot there with Ajax. But it feels to me anyway like he's been brought in as as somebody who who can operate, you know, on the right side to do what Ben White does, maybe do what Ben White does a little differently. On the left, we've got Gabriel, we've got Kivior, so you've got those two guys as your left-sided centre-halves. You've got Zinchenko. If Tierney goes, 
are we maybe just a little bit light there? Or is somebody like Takahiro Tamiyasu the guy for both sides to give you the depth? Because we know he can play anywhere across that back line. Yeah, I think that if Tierney leaves, I'd be surprised if we signed somebody, um, mm. to be honest, for that left-hand side. I think Tomiyasu, as you rightly point out, is a player that has successfully played there. I, you immediately look back to the, the game against Liverpool where he not locked down because Liverpool scored goals, but he was severely restricted what both Nunez and Salah were doing on Liverpool's right that game and I think stood out as a potential man of the match candidate for that fixture. So I think Tomiyasu, Kivior and Zinchenko offer plenty of depth on that side. We've also got a really exciting young talent in Lino Souza coming through who can play inverted also. So he's a player that certainly I think people need to be aware and aware of and watch out for. We signed him, you know, again as a as a 16, 17-year-old from West Brom uh, in that January window where I think Austin Trusty came in uh, as well. But nothing else happened and it was yeah. a chaotic mess. But um, I think that Sosa will be, potentially be something that's an excitement for the future. I've kind of looked at the right-hand side and thought, even though, yes, we have White and Tomiyasu and Timber, eventually, um, <laughs> I still see scope there for something different because... That left-hand side, if you have Tomiyasu and Kivior, it seems that Arteta has wanted to balance things out by having an inverted option maybe in Timber, who, to be fair, played exclusively in the Eredivisie last season at right-sided centre-back. He didn't play right-back. Mm. He played right-sided centre-back. And yes, I know he can and has played at right-back and did, I think, in his most recent fixture for the Netherlands. But I, I still think that maybe Timber is seen as more of a genuine, more feasible competition for Saliba when we lose him than the right-back right. role going forward. Because I think the biggest thing for this summer, as we saw at the end of last season, was, well, if Saliba's gone, we need an option. And yes, Ben White sticks in your mind as someone that can come in and Timber then can go right-back. But I do think that Timber still will provide a lot of the technical progression in competition with Saliba if we want to rotate. Because I think what we saw yesterday, just to, I know I'm going on a slight tad, but sure. White yesterday was fantastic bursting up the right flank. And I just don't think you're going to see that in the same way if you say played Timber at right back and White at right-sided centre-back. I think that White has developed into a far more adept right-sided fullback than what Timber might be able to give you. That's so interesting. It really is because, you know, um, what Timber does, you know, internally and has done for Ajax with his passing and his ball, uh, ball progression is uh, is amazing. And people will be able to hear a bit more about that when the signing is eventually announced. Myself and Phil Costa have done a good profile podcast uh, on him, which which highlights those things. So it's whether or not he can translate that, that sort of movement and that sort of uh, passing ability on the outside as much as the inside, which is where he's played. But I do think it, it is a very strong trio of players for that right-hand side, whichever combination that, that Mikel Arteta picks. Um, we got a first glimpse of Kai Havertz. And again, look, I'm not going to go into the nuts and bolts of his performance and how he played. It's his first uh, appearance in an Arsenal shirt. But I thought Arteta was interesting afterwards when he asked where he sees Kai Havertz playing. And he said, we will see. We have to see how he adapts and get to know each other and build relationships. Football is about that, and time will tell where he fits best. How much do you read into that as being Mikel Arteta speaking at face value or Mikel Arteta playing his cards close to his chest? Because it strikes me anyway that his move for Havertz was made with at least some idea of where he wanted him to fit into this team. And as we know, in the departure uh, of Granit Xhaka, there is a hole in this side. And and for me, that, that seems the obvious place for Havertz at this point in time. But, you know, Arteta can say nothing, but also be quite upfront about it. He might well still be mulling over where best to use him. Yeah, yeah I think we've come to learn from Arteta that he likes to give little away. Um, <laughs> I've been, you know, readily on the end of many questions I've prepared and never got the the answer that I've been looking for uh, from him. So I think that regarding Havertz, it was quite telling that even though he didn't start, that Leandro Trossard was the player that was, you know, utilised um, in the, the position alongside the right-sided 8-10 uh, player, if you like, that was Vieira, of course, this time around. Um, I think that Havertz 
there's a difference, I think, in what maybe there was an expectation, I think, from some mm. that because we played the same team last year, that we were going to see our debutant have a similar impact, like Gabriel Jesus burst onto the scene last year against Nuremberg, scored a couple of goals, got an assist, was brilliant. But the difference between the two is is massively stark because Jesus was coming off the back of a league-winning season, playing under a manager that has a lot of similar characteristics, philosophy and style-wise to Arteta, coming into a team where he immediately starts and stands out and his position is pretty much, you know, assured mm. into what he's going to do. Havertz is the complete opposite of that. He's been playing to an extent disappointingly, even though he stood out statistically as one of Chelsea's best players last season, but Chelsea were really poor last season from a club and a system where he's just not simply fit his best styles and traits that he had at Bayer Leverkusen and going into a team at Arsenal where, as we've just discussed there, although it might seem a little obvious that he's going to replace Xhaka, you can't replace Xhaka with Havertz. They're not the same player. You can put them in the same position and expect them to do different things, mm. but he's not going to do what Xhaka did because Xhaka's his own style. It's what I get a little bit frustrated with the whole Havertz is going to play, quote-unquote, the Xhaka role. The Xhaka role is Xhaka. The Havertz role is going to be Havertz, and we're going to see different things from those players. But mm. I do think an expectation that we'd see an immediate impact like we did with Jesus is perhaps not taking into context what has happened to him prior to this move. Yeah, that's a fair point. That is a fair point. Um, it will be fascinating to see how he settles in and if Arteta can get out of him what what uh, he did at Bayer Leverkusen, which made him a, a very, very exciting prospect in, in European football at that time. Um couple of quick things on strikers. Gabriel Jesus, um, lovely movement, missed a very good chance. Flo Balagoon got on and didn't play as centre-forward per se, but you know popped up in really interesting areas. His movement was very good. Hit the post with one, put one wide right at the death. And uh, Arteta has said he's going to stay with us uh, for the moment. We'll see what happens. I mean, uh, my understanding is that there is a desire to, to assess him on this tour, uh, in this preseason, rather, and obviously the Tour of America, where he is going to be a bit of a star because of his his yep. uh, commitment to the U.S. men's national team. Now, uh, you know, it's it's if preseason tours are about fitness and about uh, tactics, they're also a little bit about marketing and a bit about you know expanding your fan base and having the uh, the U.S. star striker in your squad is is going to be useful for that. But they want to look at him. They want to see what he can do. He scored a lot of goals last season in France. I guess he will be disappointed that he didn't um, score uh, one of those two chances yesterday. Nevertheless, the movement was really sharp. I think you have to give um, you have to look at that maybe at this point in preseason as maybe uh, the thing that you can pin your hat to, and and the finishing will come a bit later. Yeah, I agree. I think that it's interesting. I talked about this on TGT about the idea that if Enketia had missed those two chances how the dynamic of the discussion might have been yeah, different um, about those two opportunities. Because the first one is a tight angle, but absolutely in, his, in a really good season of form, you back him to score that. The second one, I'd put my house on him scoring. Um, so it's disappointing they weren't scored. But I think obviously you look at and take the positives in preseason, as you point out, the movement was you know deliciously adept to that of a number nine that you'd love to see playing in behind passes from Saka and Odegaard and Martinelli and see what that could do. Mm. You know, and Ketty is very much, I think we can agree, a, a six yard box type striker. You get the balls into those areas and you know, you're back into score. But having the movement of Balogun um, and the confidence and the arrogance, and I think arrogance is a really good trait for a striker to obviously have, that they can back themselves. Thierry Henry was one of the most arrogant players, as we know, and succeeded massively because of that. And I think that from the perspective of what now happens, I think the US tour is great. I think it's an opportunity to feel loved in an Arsenal shirt, um, which is really important as well, because he, you feel, needs to have his mind made up about the opportunity that this season brings. Mm. Is it going to be a season that he feels could be a risk of wasting in his development if he doesn't get enough minutes? Or is it a season which could be the defining moment of a career, which I think it genuinely could be if he decided to stay? Because if he decides to stay and gets time and starts to score, what we know from Mikel Arteta is that he will give you those opportunities. If you deliver, he will give you that chance. We've known that from players like Granit Xhaka turning his career around. We know that from players like Tommy Asu being used successively in fixtures after playing really well. You know, we have learned that Arteta likes to 
use succession of fixtures and form to back players. And so if, say, Gabriel Jesus is having a poor couple of games and Balogun was to come in and score, he's going to get those opportunities again. The problem that I think exists still, and we've mentioned his name already, is Eddie Nketiah. And I was a bit disappointed about you. I was disappointed that Balogun didn't actually start the second half and came on. Did it feel to you in any way that like Arteta's really giving the rope to Enketia um, after finishing that first half and giving him that second mm. half start as well? And maybe I looked at that as maybe a missed chance to show Balogun that the, you know that I see you and Enketia kind of as, as opportunities in equal measure. Maybe I think you know I I I wouldn't be surprised if there was an element of testing Balogun and testing his attitude and testing his character when oh. he makes decisions like that. That, okay, you know, we know Eddie is probably the more established player, but, you know, I've said this before, I think we have, it's such an interesting situation because two players are rep by the same agent. Um, you mentioned what would the reaction be like if Eddie had missed those two chances as opposed to Balagoon. I think that's a, a fair thing to say, but I guess the, the counterpoint of that is that we've seen Eddie. We've seen quite a lot of Eddie over the last 18 months, and we haven't really seen a lot of Balogun in an Arsenal shirt anyway, because, uh, well, look, he was on loan at Middlesbrough. He was on loan in, in France, um, and that's partly why. So he's the fresh new thing, but it, it's one of those where, you know, you could make a good point or a good case for him to stay, as I think you have, if you if you stay if you score goals, you'll get chances. Um, you know, he's grown up at the club and we've seen players like Saka, like Nelson, like Smithrow, like Eddie, you know, come through. Um, Reese Nelson talking about how he just didn't want to leave Arsenal, even though he knew his playing time was going to be limited because of who he's competing against. He didn't want to leave Arsenal at this point in time because things are so good and so exciting. So if you can tap into that with Balagoon, then, you know, you have a good chance. But the other side of it is that if he does stay and if he doesn't really play as much, if he doesn't score as many goals, you have a player with a year left on his contract who you're now going to have a real challenge to convince to stay and whose market value, wherever it is right now, is going to be lower again. So this is the sort of risk in the decision-making that Arsenal have to weigh up, I guess. And that's probably why I feel... Over the course of this preseason, they're going to not annoy him, but maybe just try and test him a little bit and see what is his reaction to a disappointment, even if it is just a preseason game. Does he knuckle down? Does he work harder? Does he, you know, try even more in training? All those kinds of things. I feel like that could be part of the dynamic uh, of this summer. Yeah, I think that's absolutely fair. Um, perhaps not something I'd even considered the idea of, you know, poking a player a little bit yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. and just seeing how they react. Um, and we want to see a reaction from Balogun. We want to see a reaction from him to to show that, that you know, th there was always the, the idea that Ethan Ranieri was another player we may talk about, but there was a feeling that so much in the way that story about his future was reported that it almost felt like an inevitability that he was going to go to Chelsea or City. Mm. And it almost feels like the way in which we've learned from the side of the story of Balogun is it feels, in a sense, an almost, an, again, an inevitability that he'll move on. Like it did, ironically, when he signed his last contract. It felt like he was going to move on. So, And with Saliba, to an extent, as well. I think that what the club has shown, that there's even when you think they're out, with certain players, mm. they pull themselves back in and renew contracts and keep players because I think what Arteta has developed and what you highlight about Reese Nelson's comments is that Arsenal's a great place to be at. It's an exciting place to be. It, it can give you promise. It can give you improvement. And every player that, nearly every player, I think is a really good kind of hit rate with Arteta is that they improve under this guy. And mm. I think Balogun hopefully can see that and can see that with other players that have done that. And if we can get him the chance in pre-season maybe there's a chance again that he stays. Yeah. You mentioned Ethan Waneri and the other scholarship, uh, Miles lewis Kelly, who, who came on, and both of them had moments. Uh, lewis Kelly providing a brilliant pass for Balagoon for that chance and some, some silky skills from Waneri. Um Look, these boys are still very young. They've just signed scholarship forms with Arsenal. This will be amazing for them to be on the preseason tour to, um, you know, to train with the first team to see what the level is like, to see what you've got to do to get to this level and stay at this level. I think part of that progression is is just so exciting from their perspective. 
you know, I don't realistically see them playing uh, a lot of football for Arsenal next season, but I do wonder if we're returning to the days of when the Carabao Cup or the League Cup was markedly different from uh, from the first team. So, you know, we were playing Premier League football, Champions League football under Arsene Wenger, and then you'd look at the, the team for the Carabao Cup and go, who are those guys? Who are these yeah. kids coming through? And it, it feels like that might be their chance for this season that, you know, we are going to have to compete across all fronts and we are going to have to manage our squad. And giving these guys sometime in the Carabao Cup, depending on the draw, of course, it it, it all depends yeah. who you get. You know, if you're up against Man City, maybe it's just not possible to do it. But I wonder if that's their, um, their goal or their ambition this season. That might be where they can come in and make their debuts, their official debut. Well, Nuaneri has obviously made his already. Uh, youngest player of uh, of all time in the top five European leagues. But uh, I'm curious to see how that goes this season in the Carabao Cup. Yeah, we have been screwed over by that by our domestic cup draws, haven't we? I mean, yeah. yes, we got Oxford last season, but then it was Man City in the fourth round. Um, we had Brighton uh, in the Carabao Cup as well, who, who beat us because we rotated, and they're a very good team that didn't really rotate, and they rightfully went through in that game. No matter how much emphasis maybe Arteta's putting on the League Cup is a, is a different conversation. But yeah, I agree. I think that those tournaments, if you are given yeah, favourable draws, chances to see players, not Nuaneri. And Mars Lewis Skelly play. What I would say is, you know, players like Bakaya Saka didn't go on loan. You know, um, mm. Cesc Fabregas, famously, you know, straight into the team at 16 years of age as well. You can be good enough at 16 in this world of football to play at a senior level for mm-hmm. a very, very good team. Um, it's mad to think that, you know, in the 27, 28 season, my area will be 20 still. That, that's a bit scary thought. Jesus is making me feel um, old. <laughs> but that's the reality of, of what Arsenal, in a way, are producing at yeah. HLN these days. We, we are incredibly, I don't know if they've got some kind of machine that just kind of clones DNA of talented uh, footballers, but what they're don't producing. Tell, tell them. <laughs> what they're producing is just unbelievable, really. Um, I love the fact that, as I mentioned, the reporting around Nuaneri's future led to him staying at Arsenal. And then what we heard was that he never really considered leaving because, you know, he loves Arsenal. That this place is showing that um, there is pathways and there is opportunity to be had. And that Nuaneri was given that chance against Brentford last season, which so many people especially in the media, described as a bit of a publicity stunt. Sure, there might be some of aspects. I think maybe it's slightly naive to think that there wasn't. But I also do think that we've seen the benefit of, of showing him opportunity in a game like that mm. that has led subsequently to him signing a new deal. If he had have left, you know, maybe that would have looked a little bit silly in the end. But him staying, I think, gives that decision real weight in the end. Mm. But the, the technical skill he showed yesterday, the little roulette that he pulled off, um, the progression. And what I maybe would throw back to you, Andrew, is that when you look at a player like Fabio Vieira, for instance, and I think about the season that he's had and the struggles that he has had as well, if I'm given the opportunity in a game, be it, you know, if Odegaard's fit and the only way that you're going to get minutes is through rotation in a cup tournament, I feel as though I'm slightly inclined in some ways to say I'd rather invest time mm. into a player like Nuaneri if he really is this talented starlet to get an opportunity over a player like Fabio Vieira, who continues, I think, to to raise questions about whether his suitability is at Arsenal in the long-term future. You know is what? It's, I don't think it's unfair. I mean, I think you have to take the fact that Arsenal have invested £35 million into Fabio Vieira into account and they want to make that work. And they've clearly seen enough in him. I think their talent ID, Mikel Arteta and Edu, has been, you know, way more hits than misses. That's for sure. Absolutely. Um but I, you know, what strikes me looking at the three players, and it's kind of mad to say it about two 16 year olds and a guy who's much more, uh, much older. How old is Fabio Vieira? 22? 22. Like, who looks more physically able to, to play in the Premier League? Yeah. And it's, it's not Fabio Vieira. But I, I do think this will be a big summer or a big season for him. He has to make a step forward. You know, um, we'll, we'll wait and see what happens there. Just a couple of quick things to finish. First, Emile Smith-Rowe, don't need to have the discussion about what happened last season, has had a good summer with England, won the under-21 European Championships. Your football London colleague, Kaya, is reporting that 
he's going to cut short any post-tournament holidays to ensure that he can join up with the squad and be part of the U.S. tour. Uh, I listened to Jeremy Aliadier on the uh, commentary last night talking about how it might be a challenge for him to have been away and to then go on holidays and miss another couple of weeks and it makes it more difficult to challenge for a place in the team. But if he is going to be on that U.S. tour, if he does make that commitment, I, I really think that is the right thing for him to do and also you know, a sign that he is very, very determined to, to make last season uh, a one-off and, and really um, show that he's worthy of a place in this squad and this team with the with the number 10 on his back. Yeah, absolutely. I think if you look at a, a juxtaposition between him and, say, Saka, you look at Saka at the end of the season and you go, that's someone that needs rest. Someone needs, that needs time off, needs holiday. Mm. Smith Rowe is the complete opposite. This is a guy that needs football. This yeah. is a guy that needs minutes. This is a guy that needs to play and get confidence back. And you know, sometimes under-21 tournaments and things like that, especially at an international level, can be looked at as a bit of a an annoyance, uh, as, as a risk of injury as well. But I think it was like a perfect pre-pre-season. Mm. You've had pre-pre-drinks before, you know what I'm talking about. Sure. Um, but pre-pre-season, I think, is a great thing for a player like Smith Rowe, who needs to be getting opportunity and confidence back. And Cutting a holiday short, I think holiday is important at times, especially for a player like Smith Rowe. You need to have some breaks for mm -hmm. your mental health. I think it's really important for that. But also, I think what's more important for him, obviously, this summer is those minutes and playing in the US, playing with his teammates, playing with his new teammates. You don't want to fall behind the relationships that those new signings begin yeah. to build uh, in the team as well. So they're going to be really key. I'm excited for the future. I'm glad the club have taken the stance. They're not interested in selling him and that they see a future in him because that gives him self-belief and self-confidence that the path where in the future is there and I think there's real excitement still to be had about Smith Rowe sure fingers crossed on that one final thing then is um, a reported bid for Rob Holding from Besiktas Arsenal are going to reject that bid because it is just 2.5 million euros I suspect the rejection is because of the size of the fee rather than a, a willingness to sell the player he missed out on this game some muscle tightness a small injury or whatever but given we've talked about Timber and his imminent slash eventual arrival at Arsenal, uh, it does make Rob Holding's life a little more difficult when it comes to getting regular minutes. And at the age he is, it feels like, you know, he does need to move maybe to play. But that kind of fee is not going to move the needle for Arsenal, and nor should it, I don't think. No, Arsenal need to set a precedent this season of not being easily negotiated with for low fees for their players. And that, that goes for even a player as out of the loop as perhaps Rob Holding will be next season if he stays. I think that for him, for his future, his career, he needs to move at th this age in his mid to late 20s. He needs to find that next team. Is Besiktas the right move for him? If it gets him regular game time, then yeah, it is. If he's going to play regularly, that's what you need to be doing at that age. But from an Arsenal point of view, yes, they paid a very small fee all the way back when we signed him seven, eight years ago. Um, but at the end of the day, the market has changed. He is a homegrown player in his mid to late prime years. Um, and Arsenal would look rather silly in a market where they're looking to try and significantly improve their sales reputation to agree a deal at that level. I think that if Arsenal can get as close to 10 million as possible, it would be looked at as probably a better move. To get more than 10 million, I think it's going to be a real challenge. Only if maybe another a couple of Premier League teams were bidding against one another would you get that fee. But if it is a team that is on the continent rather than in the, in the English top flight, I think you are going to be looking at maybe single digits, but hopefully as high in the single digits as we can possibly get. Single digit millions, I think we should clarify yes, there, rather course, than just sort of five, five pounds. <laughs> I think uh, with all due respect to Rob, he's worth a few more a few more quid than that. All right, we'll see what happens uh, and we'll leave it there for now. Uh, Tom, thank you very much indeed. Pleasure as always, mate. Thank you very much indeed to Tom. You can find him on Twitter. He is at Tom Canton Media, at Tom Canton Media. He writes about Arsenal for Football London. And of course, he's at the Gooner Talk TV on YouTube, a prolific channel. So if you're looking for a fix of Arsenal on YouTube, do the like and subscribe thing right there. Subscribe and like, like and subscribe. I think you should subscribe first and then like. Maybe you should like first to see if it's worth subscribing. Anyway, look, you know where to find Tom. Go do it. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. 
Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact? You can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Okay, joining me now on the Arscast, someone who I have had the pleasure of collaborating with for a few years now. Uh, you know him as poorly drawn Arsenal. I know him as Jacobs, Social Security number nine seven. No, I'm just joking, Jacob. No, you can you can complete it. Okay, no, it's fine. <laughs> he is poorly drawn Arsenal. <laughs> Good to have you along. Yeah, thanks for having me, Andrew. My pleasure. Tell me this before we get into your art. Uh, yeah. yeah. How how does a young man in an indeterminate location in the United States of America connect with Arsenal Football Club? Uh, yeah, great question. Um, it comes down to one person, and that would be Thierry Henry. Okay. Uh, yeah, I was watching, I think it was the 98 World Cup, and there was this silky Frenchman, and I was like, what is, what's that? I want more of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the answer to that was uh, eventually Arsenal. So that's how I got sucked into into Arsenal. Uh, it, it's a good era to get sucked into Arsenal, certainly with the players yeah. and, and yeah. we uh, the teams that we had at that time. Was it so difficult to to follow things on a regular basis? I know the, the TV coverage and everything like that is is amazing now, and there was of course TV coverage back then, but it's not quite as simple. Yeah, I would say um, there were other means on the internet to uh to watch things you know like Mm. maybe streams of some kind that have some legality or maybe not um (laughs) uh so yeah i was uh let's just say i i was a pirate on the seas for a few years there uh and i'm no longer thanks to the wonderful coverage that america has for uh, you know, games now. So you don't you don't have to sail the the seven seas to find no, your. No, I, I do not. So your, your Arsenal fix. I mean, it's a period of success as well for Arsenal. So it really does help cement your connection and love of a club and a team when they when they win things. Yeah, I mean that definitely helps. Uh, yeah, it was just a, it was a good time to get into it, um, and also it, I don't know, just it was a good time to get into it and made I guess what we call the banter years kind of worth it for having gone through that little bit of it. So, yeah, you can always fall back on those successes. You know, that the, the cycle's going to come around yeah. again. Yeah, it'll, it'll eventually come around as it seemingly is now. So yes, here we are. Hopefully uh, we'll continue that trajectory. <laughs> Please. Yeah. The, the, the young pirates of this generation can, uh, <laughs> can connect with Arsenal the way you did, but look, you, you do amazing, funny art based around Arsenal is drawing and doodling something that you always did is that something you've always been interested in doing is it a something you took up a bit later in life um it's definitely something that i enjoyed as a as a wee one um did a lot of art classes and things like that as a child um and you know when took art classes at like the art museum that we have here in philadelphia i'm a philadelphian uh so I did a bunch of that, and then I kind of lost interest in art for years. I think, you know, when you're a teenager, things become uncool, and I feel like art kind of falls in that category sometimes, uh, especially in the early 2000s where you're just kind of like, oh, I don't want to do anything that isn't <laughs> along with, the, you know, the group mind. Sure. Um, so, yeah, kind of fell out of it for a bit and then came back into it when I started a Poorly John Arsenal, so... So, I mean, was that a case of saying, okay, this is uh, this is an idea I've had. I'm just going to try it, see how it goes. Uh, I think with most things like this, you know, I, you know, I can say the same of Arsbog, and I, I suppose I'm not going to speak for you, but I know when I started Arsbog, I had no idea that it was going to go the way that it was going to go or it would become oh, yeah. what it was going to become. I mean, is that the case with poorly drawn Arsenal? 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I had been in the, I kind of hate the word creator, um, but I had been in like the Arsenal creator space before that, like helping out um, the small blog called uh, Worldwide Gooners for a bit. Um, and then that kind of fell apart because everyone went their own separate ways. So I decided to kind of, part of the idea was to create my own thing, mm -hmm. um, which was poorly drawn Arsenal. But then there was also another aspect of it, which was um, I was struggling at the time with anxiety and depression and things like that. And I needed a daily activity to just do something every day, just to give myself a task, uh, you know, just to focus my mm. energy on something. And that became uh, drawing, uh, specifically drawing Arsenal every day for a year straight. Um, and so it was just a personal project to kind of help with my anxiety and depression that I was dealing with. And uh, because at the time I was waking up to a panic attack every morning for about a month straight, which I do not recommend doing no, that. Um, so it just gave me, you know, spread those puppies out over a lifetime. Don't fit them all in one month. <laughs> uh, so... Yeah, it just started as a project to kind of focus myself in the morning to do something. And it has blown up uh, way beyond what I thought it would be. Because, again, it was just a personal project that I just focused. I put it online just as a way to be like, hey, this is not a finished product. It's bad, but it's okay if it's bad. It was just teaching myself that it was okay to do something that wasn't complete. Sure. Uh, so, yeah. So, I mean, you know if you don't mind exploring this a little bit, you know, when you, when you're going through something like that, when you've, you're trying to, I guess, just exist through a month of panic attacks, how do you find the, the sort of space within your own head to say, okay, I've got to do something about this and then come up with a plan that seems like a really good plan. It seems almost very clear thinking, but I know that when you're in those spaces, it can be quite hard. You know, you can't see the wood for the trees and all the rest of it. Yeah. That seems a very, like, was like a light bulb moment almost. Yeah, in a way. I mean, it's hard when you're in that space to, I mean, as you said, like, you, you just can't see sometimes. I think that's almost the best explanation. Sometimes you just can't see. Um, so I think it, it was a bit of like a light bulb moment of like, oh, I can do drawing. But I also think, when you're in those spaces, there's this moment where it clicks for you, where you're just like, I just can't, I just don't want to feel like this anymore. And there becomes this moment where you're like, I have to do something to get better. And for me, it was like, I need, I need an activity. I just need to do something just to kind of regulate my mind for a bit of like, this is what I do every morning mm. instead of having a panic attack. So it, that was the kind of the thought process there. It ended up being a really good idea, but at the time it just seemed like a really small thing of just like, I'm going to draw and I like Arsenal. So I'll just yeah. you know, combine the two. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's it. I mean, you could draw, you could have drawn anything and everything, I suppose. But, um, you know, when you think about football and when you think about, you know, again, just so, sort of coming back, I remember when I was starting Arsblog and it was really a way for me to teach myself web design. That was, yep. that was yeah. the thinking behind it. It was like, well, you know, if I start a website, I need, you know, if I can update, I can practice, um, you know, what, 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 what is there that I know where a lot of shit goes on? And it's like, well, football, fo yeah, I could do a football side. And then it narrowed down very quickly into an Arsenal side because like, I hate the rest of the teams, but I love oh, yeah. Arsenal. So, you know, you can be, go oh, but you know, you think about it. I remember thinking about it. Well, there's always something, there's a match or there's a story or there's an injury or there's a transfer or there's a scandal or there's a stadium or whatever it is. And, and you know that there's this sort of, endless supply of material if you like so it, yeah it, i mean it is just an endless supply because <laughs> if it's not any of the things that you just said then it's the characteristic of a certain player like sure. the fact that cedric celebrates absolutely everything first <laughs> uh so like there's so many small little things that you don't expect because it kind of seems daunting at first when you think like oh i'm going to do this every day for a bit and then you kind of really think about it and you're like oh there's always something happening mm in the world of Arsenal specifically. So, yeah. Yeah. Do you remember the first drawing that you did? Yeah, it was um, Arsene Wenger walking to uh, training. Uh, it was like a winter thing. I think I, I started in February. So it's just him walking to training. Um, and I think it must've just been like, I looked on the internet, saw the very first thing that I, uh, or, you know, saw that and just drew it mm. immediately. Um, there wasn't any like kind of, thought process behind it or anything it was just like oh okay i'll draw that 
Yeah. The first time I think I became aware of what you did was I posted a picture of myself and Robert Perez. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> and then all of a sudden you had drawn this cartoon version of it, which was absolutely amazing. You know, I have a picture of me and Robert Perez, but I also have like one of the very first poorly drawn Arsenal cartoons as well. Um, yeah, I think you, you must definitely have one of the first of that. Yeah. Because it was pretty early on that I noticed that and I was like, eh, this seems fun. I'll just draw this. Yeah, I'll just draw which this. Is, which is a lot of my thinking is just like following the fun of just like, eh, this seems fun. I'll do that. Kind of speaking on when you said that you started Arsblog as a way to like learn web design, I would say like 90% of what I do is just because I want to learn how to do it. Like I started learning animation because I was just like, oh, this seems interesting. I want to learn how to do it. Yeah. It wasn't a conscious like decision from like a business plan or anything like that. Sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. If you think that there's a business plan attached to play drama <laughs> or small, it's, it's as, it is as erratic as you think it is. Um, but yeah, I started learning animation just because I was like, this would seem like a very fun thing to do. And I want to learn how this works. Yeah. So, yeah. Tell me about the, the style then, because it's very distinctive in its yeah. simplicity. I mean, I guess in some ways that's that makes it easier. If you're going to do a drawing a day, you don't want to be doing like very complicated etchings and pencil work and all the rest of it. Um, yeah. but, and I don't know if that's within your capability or not. We all, every, every artist has their own style or uh, whatever it spoiler, is. Spoiler, it is not. <laughs> it is very much not. Okay. Uh, just in case, I didn't know if you were holding back on us, you were just going to release like no, your... No, what, what you see is what you get. It is. It, I am at factory settings here. <laughs> Poorly drawn Sistine Chapel is to come at some yeah, point, yeah. I think. But um, so, uh, the, so that's it. Yeah, that's just were, your there style. There inspirations, yeah. though. Like yeah. um, when I grew up, I was reading a lot of... Uh, I loved comics as a kid. I like uh, newspaper comics. Sure. Specifically. Um, so there's a, a watch or read rather a lot of peanuts. Yes. Um, so like Charles Schultz is a lot. I think you can see the eyes I are in there. So. Which yeah, yeah, yeah. And his noses are kind of the same. Yeah. Another big one I really liked that I actually might, I have a copy there, um, is, uh, Calvin and Hobbes yes. was a big one. And I think you see a lot of that in there as well. Yeah. Uh, there's also one, I don't know if it's overseas at all, but Foxtrot. Um, kind of has a similar right. vibe of that as far as the hands go, being kind of simplistic little things. Yeah. Um, so those were the big things I was, you know, reading as a kid. And I, I, I think there's pretty much a direct reflection of that in the style that I do. Sure. I mean, Calvin Hobbes, uh, I love uh, all the books. Um, yeah. We didn't get Foxtrot, yeah. Fantastic. No, just amazing, yeah. I mean, the surreal, yeah. the surreal nature of that. I have... Um, you know, a big favorite as well as um, Bloom County. I don't know if you know that one. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I read that. That one was a little over my head as a kid. Yeah, it um, was quite political and uh, what have you yeah, in its but weirdness. I, it was one of those that I pretended that I read and like understood <laughs> to be like, oh, look, I read this. Like, I know what's happening. When yeah, I really yeah. had no idea what was happening. Yeah, I, always, <laughs> I tell you, the one that used to be like that for me a bit was um, Doonesbury. Oh yeah, that yeah. was another one. Too. That was it. Was, was uh, like I have no idea what's happening in this, but all the parents seem to be reading this, so I also read it. Yes, it was always in the back of the Irish Times that my dad got all you know, uh, yeah. read it. Go, oh, yeah, that's very funny. What is? What yeah, is yeah. that? Yeah, you know. <laughs> <laughs> um, did you? I mean, um, what was I going to ask you? The the next thing I was going to ask you was, and this might be a bit like asking a magician to reveal their secrets right well one of the things that i think is quite amazing about what you do and how you do it is as we've discussed there is a, an element of simplicity to the artwork but immediate recognizability of the people that you draw the footballers mm. the players the people you know if you do stuff you know f for us for our um uh, events you know the 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 flyer pictures you know you know who everybody is immediately despite the fact that it's you know uh, just a, a couple of little lines here like four lines four yeah. lines <laughs> like how the fuck do you do that uh, i mean you don't have to tell me if you don't want to or is that just uh, like an eye for an eye for the details that, that, that sort of bring out the essence of the person. I would love to be able to tell you this, but there's a part of me that doesn't know, like I do it and I'm like, I don't know how that ends up looking like him. Uh, so some of it is like, um, 
the more interesting features somebody has, specifically hair, it sure it makes it a lot easier to draw somebody. Um, so like a bumiang was really easy to draw because he had such specific hairstyles that it was like even if the face didn't look quite right, you're like, oh, that hair tells me that's a bumiang. Yes. But there are times where like. I must black out afterward and just like, you know, and I come to, and I'm like, I don't know how this person looks like this, (laughs) but, but it does. Um, So the big one is, is hair. And then the one line that's like the facial structure, I think is also a big part of it too. It is amazing. It is amazing. We were going through some last night. I was um, out for a couple of beers with my wife and we were just talking about the work you do. I was going, look, there's, you know, Wenger, Freddie Jumberg, all these ones. And they're just like, ah, I don't know how, I don't know how he does that. Um, I mean, you were involved last year with the, uh, the Arsenal tour to the US. Yeah. Um, a fun event with, with Granite Jack and Matt Turner. Um, yeah. try, <laughs> trying to draw a picture of Mikel Arteta uh, and a pilot. Um, I mean, it's fair to say that their football skills are far superior to their art skills. Yeah, yeah, I, that is a very fair assessment. Um, in in the same way, perhaps, that your art skills are far superior to your football skills. You know, we're, oh, we're not yeah. trying to criticize the guys here by any no, means. No, 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 no. Um, that was a very surreal experience mm. uh i would say a lot of the experiences i have as poorly drawn or small are very surreal um but that was definitely <laughs> up there you know you're just kind of sitting in a room waiting for these people to show up and then mm. you know matt turner shows up and then Granit shaka shows up and then somebody from the media team asks him like oh are you familiar with poorly drawn arsenal and he says oh yeah uh your drawings uh they're not so good <laughs> and you're like okay great um which i mean fair it's it's a very observant. It's in the name. <laughs> Statement. It's in the name. Yeah. It's in the name. That's partly why it's called poorly drawn arsenal. <laughs> be like, well, it, that was a bad drawing, but it is poorly drawn arsenal. Um, but yeah, that was just a completely surreal experience, and it lasted probably five minutes, and then everybody was gone because their yeah. schedules are so tightly packed during the during the preseason that it's almost like they have no time sure. for thinking, which I guess is probably what you want as a coach, <laughs> like them not to be dwelling on things too much. But uh, yeah, that was a surreal experience. Yeah. There's a good, the videos on YouTube, we'll put a link, uh, we'll put a link to it if people haven't seen it. What are the most difficult things to draw? Ooh, that's a good one. Um, I struggled with Aaron Ramsey for like three or four years. Uh, like I just could not draw him. I think partly if somebody looks, it doesn't have distinct features or kind of looks like everybody else, mm-hmm. that it, it that is really hard to draw. Um, Rob Holding is also, maybe it's just blonde people. Maybe I just struggle with blonde people, but <laughs> Rob Holding is also really hard to draw. Um, maybe not now because he's got so much hair. Yeah. I mean, the longer the hair, the better. <laughs> you should just draw him with like uh, a mane, like He-Man or something. Yeah. There's a part of me that really just wants to like, draw him exactly like that. I just like increasingly <laughs> draw his hair longer than it actually is and see if people catch on to it. <laughs> and, and by the end, he's got like, he's like the, uh, what is that? The thing or is it it? The one that has the hair uh, all the way down? Yeah. Cousin it? Cousin it? I think Which one is it. the hand? Yeah. The yeah. hand is thing, isn't it? And cousin it is the hair. Or it's reversed. But... Mm-hmm. You get it. Cousin it. <laughs> it's cousin it. Yeah, with the hair. So yeah, okay. Rob Holding as cousin it is what we've got to look forward to in the in the season yeah, ahead. Yeah, yeah. he'll be just hair by the end of the season if he stays around. Has has it changed technically how you do things over the years? Uh, yeah, some small things like uh, I switched programs. I went from uh, Autodesk. I forget the full sketchbook. Autodesk sketchbook to Procreate. To now I use. Um, Adobe Illustrator. So that has changed. Um, but also used to do it on, there was a period of my time where I was just doing it on my phone. Um, and I got terrible hand cramps doing that. Uh, don't recommend that. Right. Uh, but now I have, then there was an iPad mini for a bit. And now I have an iPad pro. Um, so these small technical things uh, throughout the experience has happened. Um, but nothing huge. Like now I try to do it in, uh, because I've been fortunate enough to do projects with large publications where they want things in, uh, you know, 
in things that you can print out in very large formats. Sure. So I t- try to work in vector now, or so that's why I use Adobe Illustrator. So that way things can be blown up to ridiculously large portions if they need them. So. Yeah. So, I mean, is it a case that you're drawing on the iPad itself? Yeah. So I draw on the iPad. Like a, um, a ta- yeah. And then uh, sometimes I bring it to the computer if it needs animated animation, because it's a lot easier to do it on like my Mac for that. But pretty much everything just operates off of just the iPad. Do you have any major plans for what you're going to do? Or is this just something that you're going to keep doing the way you're doing it and, and like shit seems to happen? I know you've done a book with, with Dave Seeger. We do our thing yeah. on the, the Patreon, which is one of my favorite things in the world to do is the, the poorly oh, I drawn month. <laughs> I mean, I know that we <laughs> – I have these like ideas of, you know, I'll get half of the text done during the month. It's always like end of the month and we're both yeah. <laughs> sort of scrambling around. I'm, I'll have the words for you. I'll have the words for you. Don't worry. Don't worry. And, don't worry. And, and what's worse is that <laughs> I go like – I'm like, okay, Andrew's going to get me some stuff and then you get me some stuff. And I'm like, oh, cool. I got four days to do all this. Not a problem. Yeah. I'll start it tomorrow. And then I'm like, all right, you know what? And then, then tomorrow comes. I'm like, oh, that's right. The next day. So then I am doing like 14 drawings over the span of like a day or two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I just make it worse for myself in that regard. Um, but, but as far as plans go, uh, I am so incredibly unplanned. Uh, I I have a background in improv comedy. I did. Uh, I was on like a house team for 10 years straight on Saturday night for uh until up until the pandemic and then i stopped uh because i didn't have any weekends free to myself but there's this concept in improv that you follow the fun uh so whatever seems fun you just keep you know you you dive into that and you explore that and that's kind of how i view improv or that's kind of how i view poorly drawn arsenal yeah of just i follow the fun so if something pops up and it seems fun i'm like oh i want to dive into that so sometimes it's animation i want to dive into doing a little bit more animation um yeah, I don't have any plans to stop anytime soon or to, you know, get rid of that pattern or anything. Um, I think once it doesn't become fun anymore, mm. that's when I'll step out. Um, I've been doing it for six, seven years now. Uh, so, and, I, and I've been working on, you know, taking a better break. Like I take all of June just to not think about the sport at all. <laughs> um, Look at you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I I've moved away from doing the daily drawings because uh, yeah. I realized that that was a bit much. Uh, so props to you for. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I don't know what else to do. That's that's the problem. Right, yeah. But I mean, it's, it's, like it's, it's all I know. It did its job for you, though. No, it did did what it uh, did what it, you wanted it to do. I guess. Yeah, I mean, Poorly Drawn Arsenal has grown beyond what I expected. I, I expected a project uh, again to just give focus to my anxieties and depression that I was dealing with. And I've now sorted that out. Um, like it's something that I obviously still live with, but it's something that I am in control of now. And it's not mm. driving the car of my life. I'm now driving it. It's sometimes a passenger that I can be like, okay, this is your stop, get out. Um, <laughs> but so poorly journal arsenal helped me get to that place along with, you know, things like therapy and, you know, exercise all In- that incidentals stuff. like therapy and yeah exercise. i mean small things like therapy and maybe medicine you know stuff like that yeah. um it's mostly the drawing though don't yeah, yeah but it's all poorly drawn arsenal. no but uh but poorly drawn arsenal, so i got out of it what i wanted out yeah. of poorly drawn arsenal now it's become this thing that's just fun and i also at points try to talk about the journey of it like anxiety and things like that because while i've gotten out of it what i want for somebody else if they hear that somebody was struggling with anxiety or things like that. If they hear that somebody is in the place that they are in or don't realize that they're in and that somebody has gone out of it, then that makes mm. this whole thing completely worth it. If somebody has gone like, oh, there is a way out of this in the way that I am yeah. right now. Well, that's amazing. It's, um, you know, it's incredible to start something and for it to go somewhere you don't expect and for it to provide your life with, I don't know, benefit sounds like the wrong word, but for it to it's sort of... just fun. I yeah. mean, it's become more fun over the last couple of years uh, because, you know, there is a direct correlation between the amount of fun that I have and the amount of fun Arsenal is. Of course. <laughs> yeah. Of course. Uh, so there was, you know, maybe one or two years there that w- it was a real drag to figure out <laughs> what to draw. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it just brings a lot of fun to my life and a lot of just happiness, I guess. I, that's how I try to approach it. It's just with happiness, so... Can't ask for more than that, really. No. So, yeah. 
Well, let me let me just finally ask you. You know, I know we're still mid July. Preseason is uh, you know about to kick off. Arsenal are heading towards the United States. Um, what are you looking forward to for the season ahead? What would be your if I could ask you to draw one thing at the end of May? What would that be? Ooh, okay. One thing at the end of May. Um, okay, so it's Bukayo Saka shirtless. Uh, not on a unicorn because we've all seen that, mm. but he's on the Premier League trophy and he's like riding it, jumping into a pool. Um, and yeah, so obviously that means that we've done something fantastic, sure. like, you know, won something great. Um, but yeah, that, that would be nice. That would be I don't good. know why he's shirtless in that point, but he, he's just on a he's on the trophy. Well, you know, he's shirtless in the other picture as he's uh, driving yeah, the unicorn. Yeah. So maybe maybe Bakayo Saka, shirtless Bakayo Saka, riding uh, cousin it, holding the Premier League trophy, diving into a pool, yeah, something. Or the other possible thing is, <laughs> um, I've said this for the last few years, but I feel like we're really close to to a manager celebrating a goal so much that it. <laughs> That they take their shirt off, and I feel like Arteta's <laughs> got to be close to that. There have been a, like the the Bournemouth one. He, I, you can't tell me that he wasn't on the edge of like, I this is this he, is it. This is the moment. He was only for that small child. Who yeah, was the small child messed him. up my dreams of Arteta. You know, doing a knee slide and taking a shirt off, celebrating Nelson's winner. All right, um, but that that is, that would be the other thing is that he, you know, we win something and he he just goes berserk. Okay, I'm here for I'm here for all of that. Listen, it is uh, a pleasure to work with you, and it's been a pleasure to talk to you, Jacob. Thank you very much. Yeah, thank you very much for having me. Thank you very much indeed to Jacob. You can find him on Twitter. He is at Can't Draw Arsenal, at Can't Draw Arsenal. He's also on Instagram and YouTube. You can find him. You know what to search for. And I have to say, genuinely, the poorly drawn month roundups that we do over on Patreon are just so much fun. And that is just one of the many benefits you get if you are an Arsblog member on Patreon, patreon.com forward slash Arsblog. Right. I did say I would talk a little bit about the U.S. tour. Uh, I'm heading over to New York next Thursday. The Arsenal game, of course, is in New Jersey. But our friends at Arsenal New York are putting on a big event on the Friday night. It'll be held in Union Square Park. So if you're looking to catch up with fellow Arsenal fans, that's kind of where the big group is going to be. There are more details of that on the Arsenal New York website, which is arsenal.nyc, arsenal.nyc. It is a ticketed event, so you do need to buy a ticket for it, but there's going to be loads of Arsenal fans around, loads of stuff going on. And am I going to be DJing in O'Hanlon's Bar on 14th Street on the Friday night as well? Who can say? Well, actually, I, I can say, and the answer is yes. I will be spinning some tunes alongside my pal Curtis Powers from Arsenal, New York. So that's going to be a bit of fun. And in Los Angeles, there is an Arsenal event. And we're going to have a little bit of an Arsblog Arsenal Vision podcast type thing at the very start of it. So for more details on that, check out Arsenal Los Angeles. Check out Arsenal America. They've got all the information on tickets and stuff like that. So looking forward to seeing some of you. But again, I'll give you more details, a reminder of those next week as well. Right. In the interest of getting this podcast out before they make announcements that make it redundant, let's leave it there for now. We will, of course, have new player podcasts for you on Patreon as soon as those announcements are made. James and I will be here on Monday with an Arsecast Extra. For now, enjoy your weekend, folks, and we will catch you on the next one. Until then, cheers. Bye-bye.
And now, an exclusive look behind the scenes. A day in the life of the Arsenal transfer announcement team. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.